Hello. Good morning. <laughs> so I'm going to be reading from Mark 3, verses 1 to 6. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Jared, and I'm the pastor here at HWC. It brings me great joy to proclaim the massive news of the Lord Jesus to you today. Over the past couple of months, sorry, I'm just moving Paul's notes. There we go. Over, over the past couple of months, we've had the, the privilege of looking through uh, Mark's gospel, and um, Mark's been pointing us to Jesus, the king of the whole world, the king who came to save. And today we're wrapping up a section in Mark's gospel that's been focusing on the Pharisees' opposition to King Jesus. It works out well that we're wrapping up a section today um, because, uh, as Paul mentioned, um, Kelcher and my next little one is due to be born on July 17th, which, if you're good with dates, is next Sunday. Uh, so for, for the next few Sundays, we'll be having some other preachers bring the word, uh, including our own Rob Cox next Sunday. Uh, and Kelcher and I just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone for your prayers and support. Uh, we really do appreciate that. And please do keep praying for Kelcher and for the baby for a safe arrival and safe delivery. And um, we're just so grateful to God uh, for, the, for the church family that we get to be a part of here at HWC. And I think it's, it's really evident um, to, to, the, to the world uh, as, they, as they look at the, the church family and they see the love that we have for one another, and they see that we're Jesus' disciples. So we pray long may that continue, something we are very, very grateful for. And we're, we're glad that we get to go on this, this journey together. Um, we, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's, been a, it's been a big sort of 10, 11 weeks, I think, since we got started, but it's been great, great to get to know one another, great to get used to it. I'm, I'm still getting used to this preaching every week thing, um, and it's just been a real privilege to, to, to get going. We'll have a little bit of a... Of a I mean, I say break, break from the normal stuff to do some, some other stuff, looking after our next little one. Um, but we will be back soon. Um, I'm, Lord willing, going to be taking two weeks of, of leave as a, a, you get that from, from the government. Woohoo! And um, depending um, on whether we're in the hospital or things like that, um, we may still see you. It may just be me and Flo at some point. Um, but you'll recognize us with the matchsticks in our eyes. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, have mercy on us, we pray. Open our eyes that we may see your truth. Open our ears that we may hear what you are saying to us. Soften our hearts that we may come to Jesus. Renew our minds that we may be transformed to be like Jesus. And it is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. There's a phrase that you may have come across on the internet or in general conversation or perhaps someone's messaged you this phrase uh, that I think fits well somewhat with what we're looking at today. And the phrase is, well, that escalated quickly. 
Anyone recognize that phrase? Yeah, for you. Okay, good. <laughs> I've got a couple of examples. Uh, the first one is from a little boy's to-do list, so you know it's going to be good. Uh, it starts with number one, get a girlfriend. Number two, kiss her. Number three, rule the world. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Another example I found was uh, three people having an, an internet conversation. I think it was on Twitter about their uncles. One person said, my uncle is in the top 10 in, in, on Pokemon Go, which is a mobile game. Uh, someone else says, my uncle is in the top, ten, top eight in Candy Crush. And then the last person says, my uncle is in the top five of the FBI's most wanted list. <laughs> Well, that escalated quickly indeed. Um, today, we see the Pharisees, the high-up religious people of Jesus' day, uh, and we see their opposition to Jesus, as we've been seeing, and it escalates fiercely and quick, quickly. They go from looking to accuse Jesus to standing exposed to plotting to kill him. And we'll look at each of those three points in turn. Looking to accuse, uh, standing exposed, and plotting to kill. And as we look at the interactions between Jesus and the Pharisees, we see Jesus for the good and compassionate king he is. In contrast to the power-hungry Pharisees, who act as though they're righteous, but really are just opponents to the king. So number one, looking to accuse. The Pharisees look to accuse Jesus. Uh, this section in Mark has followed a pretty similar pattern so far. Jesus or his followers do something or don't do something. The Pharisees express their opposition to Jesus and his followers for what they did or didn't do. And then when Jesus, Jesus answers them by referring to the scriptures and his identity. There's a little bit of a difference in how these things play out in Mark 3, 1 to 6. The Pharisees here are on the lookout to accuse Jesus and his followers before They've even done anything or not done anything. They, they've, they've set their minds on accusing Jesus because they've already made up their mind about him. They ought to be amazed at the things Jesus has been doing. Uh, he's displaying these awesome miracles. He's, he's forgiving sin. He's been doing uh, wonders and uh, healing people, casting out demons. And yet they've already made up their mind. Jesus, who is the promised king, who brings a foretaste of his kingdom, who's come to bring salvation. The Pharisees, when seeing this king, ought to bow down and worship him. They ought to recognize him for who he is. But instead of amazement, the Pharisees continually opt for accusation. They try again and again to catch Jesus out and fail every single time. And today, they try to gather evidence for their case against Jesus before anything even happens. That's how strong their opposition to King Jesus is. It's an opposition that was always there. You can see it throughout Mark 2 and elsewhere in the Bible. But it becomes more and more apparent as time goes on. The setting for the accusation today is the synagogue the place where the Jews gathered to hear the word read and taught. And it's the Sabbath, the day of rest that God gave in creation and redemption. And Mark tells us that there's a man there with a withered hand. Jesus entered the synagogue again, just like he did in chapter one, 
when he taught with authority and cast the demon out of the man. The Pharisees watch Jesus. They watch him in the synagogue to see whether, they would, to see whether he would heal the man on the Sabbath, that they might accuse him. And it's a confronting situation, isn't it? The Jewish religious elite trying to catch out Jesus by seeing whether he would heal a man with a disability on the day of rest in the Jewish place of worship. That's a confronting situation. This is a man with a disability, a man in need. Imagine the challenges faced by a person in that day and age who wasn't able to use both hands for work. There were no government support mechanisms. He would have been reliant upon others to help him. Life would have been a daily battle for that man. But the Pharisees aren't interested in the man with the withered hand at all. They couldn't care less about the situation he finds himself in. And they're only interested in Jesus healing him so that they can make a legal case against Jesus. They, have, they don't have the mindset of the man's benefit at all. They don't care about him. They see him as collateral damage in their quest to destroy Jesus. They see him as a pawn in their plan, a chess piece on the road to checkmating Jesus. That's not how Jesus looks at him. Jesus is kind. Jesus is compassionate. Jesus doesn't view this man as a pawn in a game of chess. Jesus sees him as a person made in the image of God with value, worth, and dignity. Jesus, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, made this man, love this man, and care for this man. And that's true for us too. Jesus is the kind and compassionate king, the king worth following. That was one looking to accuse. The Pharisees looked to accuse Jesus before anything's even happened. Two, Standing exposed. Jesus exposes the Pharisees. In this section, Jesus peels back the curtain for us to see how hard the hearts of the Pharisees are. Jesus is completely in control of the situation. He says to the man with the withered hand, come here. And then he asks the Pharisees a simple question with an obvious answer. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life, or to kill. On the day of rest, which God commanded to be kept holy, that is set apart for the Lord, what does God command? To do good, or to do harm, to save life, or to kill? The answer is blatantly obvious. God in his law consistently commands his people to love him, and love their neighbors as themselves, and to preserve life and protect the needy. And he forbids exploitation and doing harm and forbids killing. It's black and white, crystal clear, and extremely obvious. The re religious leaders should have known this better than anyone. So how do they answer Jesus? What do they say? Nothing. Jesus has consistently answered their questions, which have all come from the wrong place. Now they refuse to answer Jesus with his question, which comes from exactly the right place. If they said the obvious right answer, that it's lawful to save life, not kill, 
then they would have had to concede that Jesus is in the right for healing the man and that they were in the wrong. On the flip side, if they said that it's better to kill, then their murderous intentions are made plain. Because of their opposition to King Jesus and adding all kinds of other rules to God's law, they've tied themselves in knots. They stand condemned. They remain silent because they know that the culmination of all of their attempts to catch Jesus out have led to them being caught out. With one masterful question, Jesus exposes the state of their hearts and makes plain the evil therein. Their hearts are hard. Mark uses language here that echoes the Old Testament and particularly what was said about Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. Egypt was a place where God's people were kept in slavery for around 400 years and God performed many mighty works and through Moses called upon Pharaoh to let his people go. But despite plague after plague coming, Pharaoh continually refused to recognize the Lord and his mighty works. The Pharisees are like Pharaoh. They've seen Jesus, who is God, come to earth. They've seen him do mighty works, but they refuse to recognize the Lord. And we're told by Mark that Jesus looks at the Pharisees with anger. The Pharisees began today by looking to accuse Jesus. We're now told that Jesus looks at them with anger. Their needless additions to God's law, exploitation of the poor and needy, and refusal to acknowledge the Lord Jesus is wrong. And Jesus is justly angry with them. And we're told also that he's grieved at their hardness of heart. It's disturbing to see these people who should know better acting as God's enemies rather than as God's people. The Pharisees' rejection of God's law and of life and of love in favor of their own rulemaking has disastrous consequences. In the face of the fierce opposition, Jesus doesn't shy away from doing what is right. He says to the man in front of them all, stretch out your hand. Jesus miraculously heals the man with the disability by speaking. No shying away, no hiding in the corner. Publicly, Jesus heals the man. No matter the cost to himself, Jesus, the kind and compassionate king, always does what is right. Clearly, Jesus prioritizes life and love and what is truly lawful. Jesus is the king worth following. That was number two, the Pharisees stand exposed. Three, plotting to kill. The Pharisees conspire to murder Jesus. So what did the Pharisees do after Jesus heals the man? How do they respond to this act of kindness and compassion? Well, their silence turns to something far more sinister. They went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against Jesus to destroy him. They get together with their enemies, the Herodians, and they look past their differences to hatch a plan 
because of their mutual hatred of Jesus. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, they reason. And their plan is to do what? To destroy Jesus. To murder him. We've seen the Pharisees' opposition to Jesus escalate fiercely and intensely. From looking to accuse, to standing exposed, to conspiring to kill. And do you notice when all of this is happening? Mark says, immediately. When do they plot to kill Jesus? What day is it? The Sabbath. Do you remember Jesus' question? Is it lawful on the Sabbath to save life or to kill? The Pharisees' silence has developed into something far more sinister. Conspiracy to murder. And it took place all on the Sabbath, the holy day. Their actions reveal once again that they don't care about God's law because they're willing to use the Sabbath to plot the murder of Jesus. And while it escalated very quickly and intensely, it's clear that the intent was there all along. The power-hungry Pharisees can't stand Jesus the King. Why? Because if Jesus is the King, then they aren't. If Jesus is the king, as he is constantly proving, they aren't in control. They aren't in charge. Their grasping at his rule is treason against him, the king. There can be only one ultimate ruler of the universe, and his name is Jesus. Like the man with the withered hand, all of us are made in the image of God, and there's dignity and worth in that. And yet, Ever since Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God, like the Pharisees, we've all been naturally opposed to Jesus, wanting to rule ourselves rather than be ruled, wanting autonomy rather than submission, wanting our own laws rather than God's law. And this even leads us and people like the Pharisees to commit horrible crimes, even murder. You see, this opposition to Jesus ultimately led to his murder on the cross 2,000 years ago. The Pharisaic opposition to King Jesus that led to his murder is the same rebellious streak that runs through our veins. And we've seen how it escalated in their lives. We, we aren't better than them. So where does that leave us? Well, the awesome news is that the cross of Jesus Christ was not only a plan made by the Pharisees and the Herodians to kill this man they didn't like from Nazareth, but the plan of the Almighty God to save sinners such as you and I. The cross of Jesus is both the climax of humanity's rebellion against God and the climax of God's revelation of his love for us. Jesus went to the cross to die the death we deserved in our place. He paid a debt he did not owe for a people who owed a debt we could never repay. And the question we're confronted with is whether we'll continue in our default setting of being opposed to King Jesus, wanting to rule ourselves, or come to Jesus and acknowledge that we've wrongly opposed him 
and ask him for forgiveness and live under him as king over everything. A lot of this has to do with with the question of rule. Do we want to rule our own lives? That's what the Pharisees desperately wanted. They wanted to be in charge. They wanted to take God's position for themselves and call the shots and say, this is right, this is wrong. Wanted to make up their own laws. And so often we can fall into that trap as well. Just trying to say, we want to call the shots on what's right and wrong. We want to, we want to, we want to live life our way. Um, I think as a child, I, I very often said, I, I acted in ways where I was like, I don't want anyone to be the boss of me. Um, and and that, that's, that's very, I mean, you can ask my parents, they're here. Um, that's, 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 that's in essence what our sin is. Like it's in opposition to God who is rightfully the king over us and, and us saying, you know what? We want to rule. We don't want God to rule us. And that can happen in all sorts of ways. Um, perhaps we read something in the Bible and we don't feel comfortable with it, so we want to change it. That's, that's kind of what the Pharisees did. It can also look like uh, just, just living life and, and thinking about ourselves first, putting ourselves first rather than putting God first. It could be that we, 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 we go through life and instead of telling people about Jesus, we feel ashamed about Jesus. But Jesus is the king. He's the kind and compassionate God-man who came to this earth to rule. And when we look at the cross of Christ, isn't it true that it's so confronting that we see that's where our sin ends up? We see how that happened for the Pharisees. We see that, that, that go from, from in their hearts opposing Jesus to them standing exposed to them, them murdering him. And we see that that, that that streak in us is the same. That rebellion against God is the same. But we see that at the same time, the Lord Jesus, in his amazing love and mercy, planned the cross. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit planned the cross. That it wouldn't only be the most heinous act of human evil ever, but the most amazing act of God's love ever. And so we come to this God, and we, we come and we, we acknowledge, we say, yes, Lord, we, we have done wrong against you. We've rebelled against you. We deserved to go to the cross. But we thank you, Jesus, that you went instead. You went in our place. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you went to that cross, that you submitted to your Father's will, that you did that for us, that you rescued us from our sin. Lord, we all in, in, in ourselves so, so often want to be the ruler. We want to be the boss. We want to call the shots. Uh, that, that rebellious streak we see in the Pharisees that escalates, we know, is in us too. So, Lord, we come to you and we confess that we are rebel rebellious against you. And we ask, Lord, have mercy upon us. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, that in your awesome plan, the cross is where your justice and mercy meet which while we look at the cross and are confronted with the most heinous act of human evil ever, we're also confronted with the most awesome act of your love and your revelation ever. We praise you for that, Lord, and we thank you, and we trust you. In Jesus' almighty name, amen.